Hey everyone, welcome to the Dear Teenage Girl podcast. I'm your host, Amy, and I'm so, so, so happy that you're listening to this podcast. If you have not already, make sure you listen to the previous episodes and stay tuned every Wednesday where I post new episodes. I started this podcast to relate to other teenage girls with the different struggles that we may face and how we can look to God in order to overcome them. So every other Wednesday, I have a guest on and we take a look at a different struggle that teenage girls face and how God helps us overcome it all. Then on the other Wednesdays, I'll be doing a deep dive into the book of James where we can really just study scripture together. So I hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast and hope you have an amazing week. Okay, so this is my first time doing like a Bible study. I usually um, just talk about like relatable subjects and and share my thoughts um, through Christian perspective and I use scripture. Um, but I thought, okay, I want to do also a little bit of a Bible study. So as I said earlier in my intro, every other week I'll do like a relatable topic, but then the other weeks I will do... Um, James. And so I was praying about like what book of the Bible should I pick and, and I was really just like, okay, I know James so well, I'll do James. But it's so cool that like even though I thought I knew this book so well, just like going through it again and really purposefully trying to learn something different and something new from it just what I have learned that I never really like realized before. So today's episode, we're going to be reading um, from James chapter 1, verse 1 to 8. I was originally just going to do like the first like um, half, I guess, of the first chapter, um, like trials and temptations, if you have like the subheadings in your Bible, um, because I thought like that all goes together. But then as I was recording the podcast, I realized I was getting really lengthy and I didn't want it to get too long. So I think I'm just going to do verses one to eight. So if you have your Bibles, feel free to pull that out. Um, but if you're listening to this podcast while you're driving, I wouldn't recommend pulling out your Bible because I am going to be reading so you can just listen along. But like, if you're not driving and you have time, grab your Bible, highlighters, pencils, um, a notebook. I think that I have learned so much more um, from these first eight verses than I have reading it the thousands of times I've read it before. All right, so let's start from the beginning. James chapter one, verse one. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may become mature and complete, not lacking anything. If you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So, that was James 1-8. to um, Don't put your Bibles away if you were using a Bible, because we are going to be looking 
in depth and it's just a podcast i don't want it to be too long so it's not going to be like a full-on sermon that's like super super in depth but hopefully you're able to learn something about it i definitely prayed before um doing this podcast that the lord would just fill me with whatever he wants to say and that all glory would go to him and that we would just learn more and more about who he is so i think we're just gonna take this chapter a verse and a couple verses at a time and i'll just tell you kind of what like spoke to me and if something speaks to you like feel free to pause the podcast and just write in your bible i think that i have so many notes in my bible my bible's like covered in notes and notes and notes that like written on the pages and then i have random sticky notes because i don't have enough room to write my bible and i'm i know some people that like they want their bible to always look neat and pretty and that's great if that's the way that you like it but i just love like writing whatever nooks and crannies i can find in my bible um because it helps you remember and i found that like i'll like study the book of james and i'll write down so many things and then i'll like come back later and i'll be like oh my goodness i remember when that touched me like two years ago now i'm looking at this chapter and something else is touching me now but it's so cool to reflect on like what you learned like two years ago and then now what you're learning today i think that's so important so you don't have to write like notes of what i'm saying in your bible but like if something speaks to you i would highly recommend it to like write it in your bible but if you don't want to do that at least write it in a notebook all right so let's get on to verse one so my sunday school teacher always thought it was super important for us to memorize scripture so as a young age we would be memorizing different verses um, but then she thought well let's take your memorizing skills and why don't we memorize the book of james Um, And so every six verses that we memorized, then we would get a chocolate bar. And she just loved James as a chapter, and I do now too. And she just thought it was really important just to memorize scripture um, so that God's word is hidden in our heart because it will never return void and it will be brought back to remembrance in the end days. And and if you're trying to encourage someone and you don't necessarily have a Bible on you, you can like remember scripture that might be encouraging and help your brother or sister um, in whatever they're going through or um, if one day Bibles are taken away like it's just so important that you're memorizing your scripture and you're sharpening your sword for like spiritual warfare and everything so I was so so grateful that she was a Sunday school teacher that was really big on like memorizing scripture so memorizing has always came easy to me and so I was like okay this is so exciting and um not gonna lie usually i'd be memorizing it like a couple minutes before i had to go into sunday school um which i would not recommend i'd recommend like memorizing it over a long period of time so it really like sinks into your heart but i fell in love with the chapter james or the book james and um the chapter that i remember the most is james chapter one because in order to get the next six verses you had to say the six verses that you said before so you go like the first six you get your chocolate bar then you have to do tw- uh, the first 12 you get a chocolate bar the first 18 you get a chocolate bar <laughs> and so i really got to know james chapter one and it's my favorite chapter right now and so we just read it and i was like okay so i know i'm gonna talk a lot in like verse two because that's like one of my favorite verses of all times like I know what it's like to go through trials I know a lot of people are struggling with trials like that's gonna be what I'm gonna dig deep on because that's something that everyone needs to hear 
well, God had other plans in it. And I find it so funny because the first six verses, I know the best because I would say them over and over and over and over again. And so me saying the first six verses would be more like James, a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ, the 12 tribes scattered around the nations. <gasps> Greetings, consider a pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And I just kind of like ramble it on. And back then it got me a chocolate bar and that's what I wanted. But now I was like, okay, Lord, just fill me with what you want me to say. Like, give me the words and may all things be for your glory. So I sit down and I'm like, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I was like, this verse I never really looked at because I'm like, it's just the introduction. It's not very important. The good stuff doesn't come until verse two. But then I was like, hmm, James is Jesus's brother. But he says that he's a servant of God. And I just thought that that was so cool. Like, God wasn't his brother. But just thinking about it, it's like, I would not want to say, like, I'm a servant of one of my siblings. But James is like, I'm a servant of God. And he was proud about that. And so I thought, I, I underlined the word servant. And I'm like, hey, I want to look at it a little bit more. So verse one, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So I looked at servant. So what's a servant? So Google says a person who performs duties for others, but then for like the Christian version, it was like a devoted and helpful follower. And I just thought that that's so cool. Like he's devoted and a helpful follower. Um, I also learned that in Greek, um, and you translate servant to English, it can also be known as minister. And so what a servant is, is to serve someone. So in our case, serving God. And so I was thinking like, hmm, servant. Like when I think of servant, I think of like the lowest in the house. You would receive like no reward, hardly any money. Like you would just be able to just get by. You're always under your master. So you like couldn't have a lot of pride because you're, you're like, not the highest one there you're not the top person like you're a servant you're under the master and I would say most people like wouldn't be proud to be a servant like I mean in the olden days when they like had servants they would be dressed like differently than like the rich people but like if like one night you got to dress up like a rich person and you went around you wouldn't be like hi I'm servant Amy like that's not something you would do like you wouldn't be proud of it you'd probably if you got that opportunity, you'd want to blend in with the crowd. You'd want to look rich. You'd want to look like you're from a high place. You wouldn't, like, be proud to be a servant. You wouldn't go around telling everyone, like, I'm a servant. I'm a servant. And so what I thought is so cool is that the first line, James is, like, James, so his name, a servant of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. He was proud to be a servant. He labels himself a servant because he knows that he is the best master of all time. And so in some, um, like, translations, so the translation that I memorized it in, it's not in this translation that I'm reading right now, but it says, James, a bondservant. So I was like, hmm, like, what does bondservant mean? So I searched it up, and it says, a willing self-committed to permanent service of the Lord. So it's not like we have to be a servant. It's not like um, you are an orphan and you have to be a servant of this master and you're like holding a grudge because the master doesn't treat you well or anything like that. Like that's the total opposite. It's your choice. So he is a willing servant and he is committed. It's not like, okay, like I'll serve you some days, but other days, like I'm going to go live my own life. Like, no, 
and uh, it's permanent. It's not like, okay, I'm going to serve you for three to six months while things are going great and then I'm going to leave or three to six months while things aren't going great and then I'm going to leave. But it's this permanent service of the Lord that he is like self-committed. And and as a, and as his servant, there's like not really an earthly reward. It's the opposite. Not a lot of people probably like you or want to listen to you. And it will be difficult. Like God even says, like, in this world, you will have trouble because like, like they hated me. They're going to hate you. And so then it just got me thinking, we usually look at our relationship with God like he is our father and our friend, which is 100% true. He, but he also is our king, who we are called to serve. So in our relationship with God, are we only in it for the benefits, but living life as we want? Like the benefits being like heaven, like not really earthly benefits, but like um, in the future, like are we just doing it for heaven and to be perfect and all of that jazz, um, but living life as we want, going out and still partying, going out and like doing stuff that is just sinful. Um, and are we taking for granted God's grant? Not granted. Are we taking for granted God's love and grace, or are we humbly serving Him? Like, are we like, okay, God died for me. God loves me, so I can go do this and this and this and this, even though that's not what God wants us to do. Like, it's fine because when I ask for forgiveness, like it's washed clean as snow or are we like god oh my goodness you love me so much you died for me like i want to serve you and just self-committed like willingness to serve you are we so we know that god loves us no matter what but let's not let that be like our key out of hell like like i was saying earlier but let it be our motivation to serve him willingly I think that that's something that I need to look at too because I'm always preaching like God is our friend, God is our father, he loves us, he loves us and that's 100% true. God is our father, he's our friend, he's a good shepherd but sometimes what we forget is that he's also the king and so like I said, let it motivate us to serve him willingly and that doesn't mean that everyone you meet you have to be like, hi, I'm so-and-so, a servant of God but like in everything you do, just do it serving God. And do it pleasing to God. We shouldn't be ashamed of being a servant. Like if you were a servant in the king's palace, you might be ashamed. You might wish, I wish I was someone of higher power. But we have the best master ever. We have the best king ever who loves us so much. He sent his son to die for us. So we should never be ashamed of that. But we should be so proud. And I think that just made me like really love this chapter even more it's like right off the bat like boom something that I skimmed over so many times something that I like talked over like 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 Iglesias like James Abonzo and the Lord Jesus Christ the told Christ God among the nations like so fast didn't pay attention to it didn't care my verse was the second verse like that's what spoke to me but now it's like okay James a servant of God he is proud to be a servant of God that he says this and like Jesus was his brother like I I don't know I just found that so cool so 
if you guys have been listening to my podcast, you know that I've been kind of going through a lot of trials recently. And so verse 2 is definitely um, the verse that I always cling to and I always go to um, whenever I'm facing those trials. And I'm like, God, like, why is this happening? And so then I'm like, okay, James. And so I like to refresh my mind of what God says in James. And it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And it doesn't say whenever you face easy trials, whenever you face trials where you can see like that it's going to turn for good or whenever you face hard trials, it just says trials. And so that can be any kind of trial that you're going through, whether it might seem easy or whether it might seem hard or whether you can kind of see like how God's going to work it for good or whether you're like, wow, how on earth is this going to be used for good? says consider it pure joy and so some um the definition for pure is wholesome or like without contamination so if you're like pure gold it's like only gold it's without contamination and so i just wanted to like look at that and i was like okay like wholesome that that goes well in this passage like consider it wholesome joy consider it pure joy but then like without contamination i was like well that also kind of goes here because it's like in the world's perspective, we see these trials as bad. We see these trials as um, testing our faith. We see these trials as something that we do not want to go through. And so we have this worldly perspective on the trials. But we need to take that worldly perspective away where it's like you might become angry at God or you might question God and all these different things. And as humans, there are going to be times where we are going to question God. But we need to take that worldly perspective away where we want to question why are these trials happening like god why are you allowing this um take that away and just have this like wholesome like pure joy and so i was googling okay like pure joy like what exactly do you think james is meaning by this and it says so joy is great pleasure and happiness so it's the feeling of good pleasure and happiness that is dependent on who jesus is rather than what's happening around us and i thought wow it's like when we face trials we can find pure joy by just changing that mindset where we're so focused on oh this is the worst thing that's happening to me I can't believe this is happening like god why are you letting this happen to me like all the worries and stuff that's going on like this is happening and I'm not able to do this and this and this and so we're in this constant cycle of worrying and being sad and being depressed that this trial is happening to us but we need to push that aside for a second and we need to be dependent on who Jesus is and we need to simply focus on who God is and so something that can help is by reading the Bible more to see okay who exactly is God so something that I would recommend if you're going through a trial like go through the Bible and just highlight wherever you see who God is and what he's done or like just different passages just seeing who God is God is a loving God God is a God that is there for you God is an amazing powerful god and we need to focus on who god is and something that hits me is this pure joy we can't get it on our own absolutely not it's impossible but we have the holy spirit and the holy spirit gives us this pure joy that we can 
just put our glasses on so that we're only focusing on who God is instead of what's going on around us. Because I think something, when like you're reading this passage, you're like, okay, consider it pure joy when you're facing trials. But how? Because all I can see is how this trial is having a negative effect on my life. But we need to stop focusing on the trial itself and focus on who Jesus is and know that Jesus is a God of love and of grace and of patience and he will help you through this trial. Okay, so verse 2, 3, and 4 I think go really well together. Um, but I thought I'd just put 3 and 4 together for a thought. Um, so verse 2, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let perseverance finish its work so that you become mature and complete, not lacking anything. So we learned in verse 2 that we need to be focusing on who God is rather than like what's going on around us. Um, but we can also rejoice because we know that there is a purpose to everything that's going on, to the trials that we're facing. There is a purpose and um, there is a plan. And so I, I think that humans are very like schedule orient oriented. They want this purpose. And I think that as Christians, or at least for me, I am like, okay, I'm going through this, but it's okay because there's a purpose. God has a purpose. God has a plan. So I will go through anything for him. And so there's like this big like emphasis on this purpose because we want like a reason. We want to make sure that there, that like it almost explained to us. So if you like, no, okay, there's like a better plan or there's a purpose. You're like, okay, like right now times suck, but it's going to get better. So, so what does verse 3 and 4 kind of tell us about these trials? Well, we know that these trials produce perseverance. So it helps us um, in our walk with Christ. It helps us in our walk with Christ. It is this perseverance. It will help you like through the long stretch. Like this isn't a sprint. Like our faith, our life as a Christian, it's not a sprint. It's not like, okay, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, now I'm done. It's this long run to the finish line. It starts when you become a Christian and it ends when God takes you to glory. And it could be 10 years, it could be 40 years, it could be 90 years. We don't necessarily know, but we do know that we need to prepare for this race like it is this long distance race. And so we're training by like reading our Bible, by praying, we're getting ready, we're getting fit, we're sharpening our sword. We know that there's going to be spiritual warfare against us. So we're really constantly like clinging to God's word, learning it even more so we can get that armor of God and everything. And then when these trials come up, it's like just giving us even more perseverance. Like in a race, there's going to be hills and there's going to be the downhill stretch where you're just letting your legs go and you're like, oh, this is so easy. I love this downhill stretch. But there's also going to be those uphill stretches that's just really like testing you and you're like, oh, am I going to make it up this hill? This sucks. I was a cross country runner. I know I loved cross country better than 
um, track and field because it wasn't just like running around this track five times. You were able to see the beautiful scenery. But the one thing that I hated about cross country was the uphills. I suck at uphills. Love the downhills. Like I'm like, okay, I can go through this uphill because I know that there's a downhill right around the corner and that's the easiest part. I can literally just flop to the ground and roll down the hill. I'm just kidding. I don't do that. But like you have that gravity taking um, you down the hill. But the uphill, I hate it. It sucks. But sometimes in life, we're going to have that uphill. We're going to have those trials. But it's giving you strength. It's giving you endurance, which is giving you perseverance. That's going to help you throughout your walk with Christ. And then it becomes, it makes us mature and complete. And that's not meaning that we're going to always have everything we need. But it means that we are learning. And it means that we are learning to rely on God. And God will give us the stuff we need to make us complete. And we are maturing and learning more about who God is, especially when we're focusing on who God is rather than everything that's going bad in our life. We are maturing and then we won't lack anything. God uses these trials to refine us. And anything in life, you like jobs, you're expected to go through some hiccups but usually, like, the hiccups help you um, in the future to become a better person. Like, in school, they would always say sometimes it's best to fail. Like, those who fail or, like, have failed in, like, high school or elementary school usually do better in university because they've learned that, like, they fail. That's unfortunate. But they learn to get back up and they know what to do better for next time. They learn how to have better studying, um, how to, um, they like learn from their mistakes and then they can do better the next time. Whereas people who always like pass when they get to university and they get a bad grade, they're like more likely just to drop off the deep end because they're not used to this. They're used to being the smart person. And of course that's not going to be in every case, but I think that that's so relevant to our Christian walk is that sometimes there are going to be trials that knock us down, but then we learn how to get back up and we learn how to rely on God even more and cling to God even more and trust God even more instead of just like running this like easy race, but then something happens and then we just leave our faith completely. So it's like God doesn't give us these trials. We'll learn later on in James, but he allows them to happen to us and they are beneficial. They help refine us. They help us become mature and complete and not lacking anything. Okay, verse five. If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. I think something about this verse is I find that a lot of us are prone to asking God for a lot of things. Um, I know when I was younger, like, I would pray a lot, but it wasn't necessarily thanking God for things. It was more asking God for things, um, like, to do well in a math test. I'd be in math, and I'd be like, I didn't really study, but, like, God, please, like, help me to do this. And, and of course, like, I'd be like, it's all for your glory. And, and I believe that. And if whatever I prayed for I got, then I would praise God and give glory to him. Um... And so I think that we are used to asking God for so many things, but I think that when it comes to 
like lacking something spiritually that's where many people hesitate and i'm not saying this for all people i know that i've been getting better at like asking god um to help me when i'm lacking somewhere like spiritually but i think that for me as i got older i was like okay my prayers turned more into making sure i was thanking god more than just asking him for things because it's I knew that, like, I wasn't a bother, but at the same time, like, he wasn't Santa Claus, you know? Like, he is the God. He is, or he is the God. He is the king of the world, and he has blessed me with so many amazing things. So I wanted to make sure that I'm thanking God and not just asking him for a whole bunch of things. And so that kind of became this mental place in my mind where I'm like, okay, I'm not going to be asking God for as many things. Um... So then when it comes to things like if I'm lacking wisdom or if I'm lacking motivation in my faith and different things like that, I was always kind of scared to ask God and almost like admit it, if that makes sense. But we got to remember that God knows our every thoughts. God knows what we're thinking. God knows where we're lacking spiritually. And God can just give it to us because he knows everything. But I think that there's something so powerful in just asking God. Like being like, God, I am like admitting it to God because he already knows. But I think that that's just taking the next step and saying, God, I love you. But I've been like struggling with like spending time in your word. I've been struggling with wisdom. I've been struggling with whatever it is you may be struggling with. That just shows like that you want to fix it. And it's not just God making sure that you have no problems because you know it's okay you're struggling with this and I'll give you this and I'll give you this and I'll give you this because otherwise it's almost like back in the Garden of Eden when they didn't have a choice and so we've been given this choice to serve God and to follow God and so in becoming a Christian we made that choice I want I choose to follow God but then we also need to make those choices in our lives how are we following God and so by admitting to God you're choosing to lay aside your pride and you're choosing to be real and honest and raw with God and saying, God, this is what I'm struggling with. Something that I've been struggling with is like um, just being motivated to be in the word. Like I love God so much, but sometimes I just get too busy, quote unquote, but I have so much time. And so I just like, God, I'm really lacking in this area right now. Please help me. And I know that God is going to help me because it says... Um, if you lack wisdom, and so here it says wisdom, but I think it can also include anything kind of like spiritual. Um, ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. And I think that another cool thing is it, is it doesn't just give it to you. Like if you're like, God, I'm lacking wisdom right now. He doesn't just give you wisdom, but he gives you a generous amount of wisdom. He is generously wanting to give to you because he loves you and he cares for you. And he gives it to all without finding fault. Because I know that if I say, God, I need motivation right now. Like, please help me because I'm struggling and I just need help right now. I know God can be like, well... Let's look at all the things that you have been doing instead of spending time with me. Or let's look at all of the things that you're doing wrong and let's fix it. And he could do that and I need to humble myself and eat that pill. But 
he doesn't find fault. He says, I will give it generously to you because we took the initiative to ask and because he loves us so much and he's seeing how much we love him by putting aside our pride. I think that something that might stop us from asking is pride 100%. Um, and so, yeah, that's like what I've kind of learned from this verse. And then it really just goes into the next couple verses. Um, so, yeah, let's read verses 6 to 8. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. This person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, such a person as double-binded and unstable in all they do. I think something that I've been struggling with recently with my seizures and everything is I know that God is 100% capable of doing anything. Like, more than I can comprehend, more than I can wrap my head around, more than I could even imagine. He's all-powerful. And um, so I 100% believe God can heal my seizures. But sometimes I'm like, will he? Like, that's, that's where I'm like, hmm. And that's where I almost doubt. It's not that I doubt his capability, but I doubt, like, I don't think that maybe I'm that important for God to heal or, or maybe, like, I don't think that this is that bad. There are people out there who are dealing with much worse than I'm dealing and I can try and use this for God's glory and I can try to use this for good. And right now, God has been telling me, no, he's not going to heal me. And I've been accepting that and, and I'm trying to see the bigger plan and, and so I'm finding these ways where I can cope with it and where I can use it for him. And so I've accepted that God is not healing me right now at this moment. Um, but that doesn't mean that God will never heal me. So I think like that's kind of where my doubting comes from. But maybe you are doubting God's capability because, I mean, God is so big and amazing. But it's not like we've ever... Sometimes you might not really see the big miracles in person, you know? So, like, we're hearing all these Bible stories about what God can do, how he can heal the blind, how he can raise the dead to life, how he can part the sea, but we've never really seen that in person. So you're like, hmm, is God really capable of doing this? But let me remind you, it's the same God that did all of those things. And so maybe miracles in your life aren't going to be as extravagant as what God did in the Old Testament, but that doesn't mean that God's not going to help you. Um, it just means that God's helping you in a smaller way. And so I think with that, we can't doubt. We need to believe 100%. And so I've been scared to ask God because my doubt has gotten in the way of will he or maybe you're scared to ask God because your doubt has gone in the way of can he. Either way, when we come and we ask God, we need to believe. Otherwise, it's pointless in asking him. And that's what God has outlined here for us. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. And I don't really have any advice on how to not doubt. But what I am saying is just be conscious of it. Like, sometimes now when I'm asking God, I'm like, God, I don't think I'm doubting here. But please help me if I am to help me not to doubt. Because I want to, like, believe in you 100%. And I do believe in God, but like, it's still like all this like things that's 
so much bigger than like what I can fully wrap my head around um, and not to let that fear cause you to doubt. So that is just a glimpse at James 1 to 6. I think that God can just reveal so much more to me and so much more to you. And that's why it's so important to reread your Bible over and over again. Just because you've read the Bible once doesn't mean that you're one and done. Like keep reading the Bible because God will reveal different things to you. I cannot even tell you how many times I've read this chapter and I've never had some of these like revelations come to me before. So make sure that you reread this chapter and just write out notes of stuff that stuck out for you. It doesn't necessarily have to be the things that I mentioned, um, but it can be things that stuck out to you on your own. And so I will be doing this again in two weeks if you want to be reading um, verses 9 to 18. Feel free to do that. Um, but otherwise, um, I'll be reading it again next, or not next week, but the week after that. And I'll see you guys next week with um, talking about finding your purpose in life. Thank you so, so much for listening to this episode of the Dear Teenage Girl podcast and make sure you stay tuned every single Wednesday for more episodes to come. Also, check out our Instagram at Dear Teenage Girl and feel free to DM me anytime you have any questions or any suggestions for upcoming topics. I hope you all have a great week and remember that Jesus loves you. Yeah.